We want to hear from you right now. Text us at 918-262-5072. All right, welcome back in. It's 202 here on the Blitz 1170. I mean, from Katy Perry this weekend now to Bailey Zappi, who all he was doing was on the sidelines last night, mouthing the words to a song that was playing inside the stadium, and everyone's losing their minds about, oh, the lip readers out there and what he was saying about his performance in the play calling. Like, no, calm down. He confirmed in the press conference. This is how wild we are on the Internet, Matt. It's not a, and it's not a newsflash, but it, it takes new levels every single day. Just when I think that you can't top it. I mean, we go from Katy Perry this weekend to people were questioning Bailey Zappi because he was singing the song Stacy's Mom. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you can look at the clip. It's right here. I was singing Stacy's Mom. He did have a great line because he's so young. Quote, to be honest with you, I don't even know how I know that song. All right, fair enough. Well, fair I enough. But I can, I can look. You were clearly mouthing and singing the song on the sideline. You weren't making a comment about the plays. <laughs> yeah, we have lost our minds. The best thing that would happen, honestly, is for all social media to just go away. Just boom, done. Well, done. What would we do with our time? Now? That's the thing. That's it. You might be surprised about what we might accomplish as people if we were to just do away with it. I'd probably start woodworking or something like that. And I'm a massive hypocrite because I would be like, I don't know what to do with myself You'd anymore. You'd be scratching your face. Probably scratching something else. Uh, let's hit up that Oklahoma Ford Dealers hotline and uh, welcome in here on the Blitz 1170 at 204. Jared Stansbury, who's joining us here from Cyclone Fanatic. What's going on, Jared? How are you doing, man? Doing well, man. Just uh, keeping busy. It's obviously a busy time of year. So it, it is busy, man. Trying to balance a uh, little basketball, right, as we get set for the basketball season with uh, with football right now. How's uh, how is Iowa State basketball looking before we uh, start and talk a little bit about football from all of their Big Twelve Media Days appearances? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, I think they they feel pretty good about where their team is at. It's just obviously you know second year in a row you got a lot of new guys and a lot of new faces and you know you got to replace your point guard again with uh with obviously Tyrese Hunter going to Texas and um you know lost Jeremiah Williams who's a temple transfer you know played played a bunch of games for the Owls over the last couple years he tore his Achilles like two days after coming back from a shoulder injury that held him out for most of the summer so uh it's been interesting but you know, I think the one thing they know is, and I think it's, you know, anybody who watched Iowa State last season knows this team really can't get after people defensively. But uh, points will uh, is to be determined, I think, <laughs> at this point. Uh, what what kind of points they will be scored. But they're going to keep people from scoring points on their own. So, I guess we'll see. So, you mean we could be in uh, store for some old school Big 12 basketball games, then, is what you're saying anytime anyone plays Iowa State. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll put it to you this way. Somebody close to the program said to me at Big 12 Media Days, you know, just kind of joking on the side, said 41-37 is, is going to be the Woo! goal. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I obviously I think that that's some hyperbole. I think he was just kidding, but it was it was pretty funny. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I again, I think they've got some really interesting like pieces coming in. But, you know, as we know in college basketball in 2022, it's all about how fast those pieces can gel and, and come together and, you know, they've got some guys that are coming back from last year's team that'll certainly help there. So people are looking forward to that with football having gone the way that it has so far this year. By the way, gambling's just for fun. Let me say that, but bet the under on Iowa State basketball games this year. That's uh, my my little bit of advice. All right, let's uh, let's turn our attention to football. 
So the off week, right, comes at a time um, where, boy, it sure as hell seemed like that they needed it. Uh, what were some of the key items for them that they had to focus on during this open week? Uh, coaches would hate me for saying off week. The open week that happened uh, in uh, all of the different scenarios that have been surrounding this football team right now. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the biggest thing, you know, for them, it the bye week probably, if it come at a perfect time, it would have come, like, a week earlier, maybe, uh, just with the way that, I mean, they've been really banged up in their running back room, which has really hurt their ability to run the ball. And in turn, you know, obviously hurts your offense when you're a team that wants to be able to come out and, you know, be able to establish the run. And, and even though they've done so much of their damage, obviously through the air, Hunter Decker's kind of a roller coaster season, but with all the success that Xavier Hutchinson has had, uh, you know, they really need to be able to run the ball just to keep people honest. And, you know, Jairo Brock has been banged up for the last couple of weeks ever since that, you know, game against Kansas. I think it was good for him to be able to get, you know, a week and a half off or two weeks off or whatever and, um, you know, be able to work his way back into, you know, closer to being full strength. He had a – I think he had an ankle sprain, so it's one of those things that's probably just kind of going to linger, you know, throughout the rest of the season. But it sounds like he's closer to being full strength than he has been in, you know, almost a month. And then, uh, you know, obviously get Cartavius Norton back there too. So I think that that was like one of the – probably if I had to say what's the biggest – you know, positive for them in the bye week is that you got an opportunity to get those guys healthy. They really need those guys to be healthy for this offense to, you know, play at a high level. And then I thought it was interesting today that, you know, you hear we were listening to Matt Campbell talk, and, uh, you know, he was talking about the things that they were focused on in the bye week are the things that some people might perceive as being easier, you know, winning on first and second down rather than winning on third down. Where, you know, third, fourth down, he feels like Iowa State's done a pretty good job of that, which is, you know, maybe kind of different for a what's a relatively inexperienced and young team if you look up and down across the roster. But, um, you know, he feels really good about where they've been in the hard things. It's about figuring out how to, you know, stir up some of those easy things, stir up your fundamentals, uh, and be able to, you know, string together uh, together drives, which has been Iowa State's biggest issue is that, you know, they can move the football in stretches, but they can't string a good drive together. And uh, I think you started to see some of that against Texas. I think they made some adjustments in the passing game, how they're approaching that stuff. Uh, and I imagine they built on those things throughout the bye week. So uh, it was good for them. They needed, a, they definitely needed that time just to be able to get back to full health and you know be able to work on some of the small things that I think have really helped them back at this point. Boy, the the health, as you mentioned, from just the running back spot in general. But any time that Deckards, right, Deckards is is the one that's getting thirty yards on the ground in in, in a game like that, uh, not the most ideal scenario, is it? When your quarterback's the, your leading rusher. Well, no, especially not when, you know, I mean, Hunter Deckers isn't slow, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Hunter Deckers is Lamar Jackson, you know. So it's yeah. like one of those things where, I mean, if, if you've got a quarterback who can really run the football, you know, you don't mind if your quarterback's the leading rusher. And obviously there's been a lot of teams that have had success that way, but that's not the way this Irish State team is built. And, you know, they've got good backs. Like, that's the thing. I mean, I think Jairo Brock is, is a really good back. He's going to, you know, obviously hasn't been able to show that a ton yet this season because he's been banged up. But I think if you go back and look at, you know, you look at that Iowa game where, you know, they were able to have the 99-yard drive on, on one of the best defenses in the country to be able to go and win that game. I mean, Jairo Brock's breaking off six, seven yards pop, you know, and, and they're really moving a defensive line that, again, is one of the best in the country. But we haven't seen that again, you know. And I think that that's the issue is – uh, that fans have is, you know, how do you get back to that? How do you find that identity of being able to run the football and complementing your pass game rather than being, okay, we have to come out here and sling this thing 50 times because we don't have a running back who's healthy enough to get us five yards, you know? So 
uh, it's just a process, but and it's just part of the ups and downs of the season. But I think Iowa State feels like they're in a much better spot today than they were two weeks ago. You know, ups and downs of the season, Jared. But I, I look out there, and they still have a lot of young guys, right, that are that are mm-hmm. getting significant minutes now. Like you look at McLaughlin at, at linebacker, uh, the Cooper kid at safety. Uh, those guys are young guys. You got some good sophomores as well. This. Maybe I'm mistaken on this, but it feels like it's all part of the overall process of continuing to build with this Matt Campbell team. 100%. 100%. I mean, I think if you went and looked at the you know, the 22, the starters uh, from Iowa State's game against Texas, somebody told me that they had six seniors that started the game. Uh, I think it was three on defense and three on offense. So, it, you know, you look at what Iowa State, we talked about what Iowa State did two years ago, you know, even coming into last season where they were ranked and all that kind of stuff. It was because of the returning experience, obviously. And Iowa State didn't have hardly any of that. You know, you get past Xavier Hutchinson, Will McDonald, and Anthony Johnson, you know, and then Trevor Downing is your starting center has played really well this year. But it's like, other than that, I mean, everybody's young. You look at a guy like Jalen Knoll, true sophomore. You know, Hunter Deckers is a redshirt sophomore. Uh, you mentioned Will McLaughlin and Jeremiah Cooper are both two freshmen. You know, I think they've, there's been stretches where they've played three or four redshirt freshmen or true freshmen in the defensive secondary and then still have been you know statistically the best defense in the big 12 and so i think the thing that you know from a program perspective you feel good about is the talent floor at iowa state is considerably higher than it has been at any i mean obviously any time since i've been covering the program which next year will be my 10th year so it's like uh just up and down the roster it's as good as it's ever been but the top isn't quite as strong as it has been these past several years, which is just a product of the fact there's a bunch of young guys, you know, but I think if you, they feel like if you keep this core together, which obviously is, you know, in today's world of the transfer portal, you never know what can happen. Uh, but I think they feel like if they can keep this core together, you're going to have to replace a couple guys next year, but man, there's going to be a whole bunch of guys coming back that have a lot of experience that are going to make, you know, give IOC a chance to have some proof the teams here over the next several years. Has this been a, a, a talking point uh, up in Ames and that's special teams? I mean, it seems like at, yeah. at, at, at time. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm completely confused because I, I get it from an element of having, you know, every now and then your defense is just going to have one of those games. Uh, and we've seen mm-hmm. that with virtually everyone in this conference, a conference offense, the same way. But there are there are times where I think and I wonder, like, what in the hell is going on with Iowa State special teams? It seems to be a consistent problem for them and has been the, the entire time that Campbell's been there. Yeah, well, the crazy thing is his worst team actually had the best special teams, which is his <laughs> first one in 2016. I think they were top ten in the country if, like, you went and looked at, like, all the special teams metrics and stuff like that. Uh, but since then, I mean, they just continue to drop, you know, they're and they're in the – I mean, they're not even in the top 100 right now in, in you know, executing in special teams. But, uh, you know, I think they're, again, they're really young. They have a true freshman kicker and a true freshman punter. Uh, and I think that both of those have obviously come with some growing pains from the kicking side of it. You know, the game against Kansas where he missed three of them, including a, game, a kick that would have set the game to overtime. That's one of those situations where why is the game being put onto the foot of your freshman kicker three times uh, and able to be able to win this this thing when you've driven into Kansas territory like seven times in the game and scored one touchdown. You know, so like those some of those things feel like things that, yeah, if you take some of the pressure off the special teams, it doesn't matter. You know, and then obviously I think they've had now either three or four punts blocked, which I don't know that I've ever seen that before. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a team consistently gets punt, get punts blocked the way that Iowa State has. But, 
you know, I think they changed some schemes. They brought in a guy that from the NFL to come in and, you know, work with them on a bunch of their schemes and how they're doing their stuff. But man, whatever they're doing, that punt team has not worked yet so far this year. So, uh, Iowa State doesn't have a special teams quarter like coordinator. Like I said, they've got that analyst that they brought in um, from the NFL, but uh, it's been a, a work in process. And then having young guys in some of those roles, you know, certainly doesn't help either. So uh, believe me, you, there's a lot of people that are asking questions <laughs> about Iowa State special teams. And uh, I, I think everybody up here is getting tired of asking about special teams and just wants them to be competent. I don't think anybody's asking them to be you know, Kansas State under Bill Snyder where you're returning a kick for a touchdown in every game. But it's like, man, you just got to be good enough to not make mistakes and hurt your team. So I know you said earlier, as Jared Stansberry joins us here on the Blitz 1170, uh, thank you for tuning in, by the way. Uh, you had said earlier about the, the bye week. You could have hoped that it might have come a little bit early. But I, I can only imagine, like, I go back and watch that Texas game, and you, you come away from that game, and I know it seems like it's wash, rinse, repeat with, what, four – Four in a row of one-score games and seven of ten over the past two seasons with this. But that's a game that outside of maybe, you know, one or two plays there, I'm like, they should have beat Texas. So did that put, mm-hmm. like, more salt in the wound with having the bye week this week after essentially you should have won that game? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the perspective of how you're coming at it. Like, from a fan perspective, I can tell you right now, they're not they're not overly happy, you know. But that – Again, like I, I think that when you see some of the mistakes that have hurt Iowa State, it's been the same things that have happened for several years. The special team stuff, like that's not a new problem. Yeah. You know, so like that's where it's you want to talk about having a young team, all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, I mean, this was an issue when you had a senior punter and a senior kicker. You know, so that's where it's kind of. Ooh. Take you know, like from my perspective, I take the take the emotion of it out and things like that. I mean, they're just really close, you know, and and again, it's like it's one or two plays. If you can execute and make a play, all of a sudden you win the game. And I think that that's been the case. You know, the Baylor one is probably the one game that I'd be like, man, I don't know. They they got beaten that game, you know, but I think they should have they could have won that Kansas game. They could have won the Kansas State game and they could have won that game against Texas if you're just able to execute uh, a couple more times. I mean, you look think about that Texas game where Xavier Hutchinson drops a pass at the 10 yard line completely wide open and had an opportunity to go in and score and give you the lead and, you know, potentially be able to, you know, steal a win in Austin. And so I think that those things have people within the program encouraged. I think it has, you know, from an analysis perspective, you have to be pretty encouraged, but I think from a fan perspective, at the same time, you're annoyed, you know, just because it's, it keeps happening, you know, and I, I know that I saw a stat today that Iowa State's the second team since 1980 to win four consecutive conference games by a combined total points. And the other one was like Purdue or something in 2004. So it's like, that's how rare what Iowa State has done over the last four games is. Um, and it's just like cleaning up a couple of mistakes and you all of a sudden, you know, you're three and one in the league instead of oh and four. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's kind of, again, it's like the roller coaster of, of being with a, a young team and an experienced team. And, I know. Uh, I'm sure that you guys definitely understand that with the roller coaster of a season that you guys have had as well. Well, I was just getting ready to bring that up because Brent Venable said today we could win every game and we could lose every game. I mean, the head coach said that today at the podium, and I couldn't tell you the last time that an Oklahoma Sooners head coach said something like that. Uh, but it seems kind of eerily similar, right, to how maybe that you feel in watching Iowa State games. Eh, we feel like we could win it. We're that close, but we could also lose the rest of them. Yeah, and I think it's crazy how this league – I mean, the football right now mirrors basketball 
so much, you know, and it's the cliche during Big 12 Ooh. basketball that anybody can beat anybody on any given night, you know, and in football that has not always been the case. Obviously, when you've had schools like Kansas, who's been down, Texas Tech has obviously had some rough years. West Virginia has been kind of up and down sometimes. But, like, right now, on any given Saturday, you know, I I, I was at their bio this last week. I was busy. I was up in Minnesota with one of my friends, so I didn't really watch a ton of college football this past weekend. But, it, I, you know, I'd get off my phone and scroll through, and you're like, holy cow, like, man, I, I didn't see that coming. You know, Kansas State obviously ended up losing to TCU, but, uh, you know, for them to be able to have a lead like they did earlier in the game, like every team in the league is good, you know. And when you have every team in your league is good, somebody's got to lose. And right now, you know, that's going to come down to one or two plays. And, uh, you know, when you – again, like when you've got teams that are, are riding that margin of error, like a team like Iowa State or, you know, even right now with Oklahoma – you can, you could win every game or you could lose every game, but every game is going to be freaking stressful uh, at the end of the day, either way. Last one I have for you, uh, Jared, is this, um, say what you want about Oklahoma defensively. Cause there are a lot of things that you could probably say about them and not very many of them. Good offensively though, with Dylan Gabriel, it's a completely different animal. Uh, what does Iowa state have to do uh, in order to keep themselves in the game uh, with a Dylan Gabriel led offense now that looked pretty good the last time out that we saw him. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting because I, I think – I mean, I think Iowa State's defense, this this group is as good as any as John Haycock has had at Iowa State. I think just top to bottom, talent-wise, speed-wise, they're just so much faster than what I've ever seen in Iowa State defense be. So that's where – I mean, this is going to be a huge test for them. You know, Oklahoma's going to challenge them to defend every piece of the field, and, um, you know, it's going to be a big test for some of those young guys in the secondary and obviously, you know, with Oklahoma skilled position players that – can give you all kinds of trouble, but, uh, you know, I think Iowa State, a lot of times they feel like they don't need to make adjustments to other people. They force other people to make adjustments to them, and if they've got to make something happen on the fly, then they will, you know, and uh, I I would imagine what, if I had to make a prediction for how this game is going to go, this is what I would say. It would not shock me at all if Oklahoma came out and really moved the ball well, first two drives, first quarter, first quarter and a half, and then there's a stretch or like it gets to a point where you look at the stats at the end of the game and you're like, oh, my gosh, Oklahoma had 150 yards through this many drives. And then they had like 70 the mm-hmm. rest of the game. That's how that's how Iowa State's defense is able to do this thing. And for them, it's about keeping the team within striking distance all the way through. And again, you know, like we've talked about now for, for however long, I mean, it comes down to those couple plays. And if, if Iowa State makes the plays, then Iowa State gives them a chance to win. But, you know, if they're not able to make them, then – uh, they've been losing. So it should be fun, though, because I think that this is going to be a great test for our average defense. And I think it'll be a good test for Dylan Gabriel and Oklahoma's offense as well. The website is Cyclone Fanatic. Uh, Jared, thank you so much, man. By the way, uh, football and random things. I love the title of that podcast. I think that's awesome because there's so many random things that encompass just the just the sport of football in general. But I, uh, I love how you guys venture off on a variety of different things, man. But I can't appreciate uh, you en- or thank you enough for, for coming on with us here in Tulsa to give us kind of an update on how this game could potentially look this weekend. Hey, for sure, man. Anytime. Awesome. That's Jared Stansbury joining us from the Cyclone Fanatic via the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Hotline. Football, and in parentheses, Matt, and random things. That could honestly be the title of our show, too. Just random things? Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. I mean, last week I brought up about the rats in New York City. Yeah, and I had an answer for you, right? Exactly. Did you ever go back and watch the documentary? I have not yet. 
should check it out. Yeah, I haven't had time. I, I might save that bad boy for the off season just to truly have nothing to distract myself from. You've been busy? Mm-hmm. Happens. Happens to all of us, well, buddy. House of Dragons ain't going to watch itself, Pop. Almost 10 million viewers the other night for the season finale. Did you watch? I did not. You I'm holding You haven't watched the finale yet? No, I'm saving it for tonight. Come on, buddy. We can talk about it tomorrow. No, we can't because then we might spoil it for listeners. No, that's fine. Like, once you've watched it, you just give a spoiler update and be like, hey, I'll let you know this is happening. If you haven't watched it yet, boom, time for you to jump out. Yeah, we'll give you 10 seconds. Yeah, you just say, hey, I'm just let you know these are happening. But I feel like three days after it's aired, kind of fair game. Yeah, I'll watch it tonight. And then Let me just it. say, there is one of the more tense five-minute stretches from the entire series, even if you're an old Game of Thrones fan. There's a moment towards the end of the episode where in the back of your mind, Matt, you know something bad is going to happen, but you're rooting against it. But the tension just keeps building and building and building. And then you see another character that's introduced to the scene that you're like, oh, no, nothing good can come of this. And just when you think that everything's a-okay, everything is not a-okay. <laughs> so it's a true masterpiece it, it, of George R. R. Martin. It was... It was really tense for five minutes towards the end of the season finale on Dragon. I don't even call it by its proper name. At home, I'm just like, hey, you ready to watch Dragon? <laughs> Let's go. All right, it's 2.23. We'll take a timeout. You'll hear from Brent Venables coming up here in just a little bit. He had his press conference today where he did say, and I quote, we could win every game, we could lose every game. That kind of sums up Oklahoma football for 2022. Take a time out and come back with more next year on the Blitz 1170. Reminder, Friday out at Sutures, 71st in Yale, 1-6 to six with Miller Lite. You get the exclusive text code that you need to win tickets to see the Cowboys host the Giants. 20-ounce Miller Lights for $3.50, available while we are there until 6 p.m. It's the Blitz on the road at Sutures, 71st in Yale this Friday, from 1-6 to six with our good friends from Miller Lite because, Matt, it's Miller time on the Blitz 1170.